the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and uh, great to be with you. Great to be with you, as always. We've got a great program. Looking forward to that and enjoying that. So thank you for being here on the Pro-America Report, uh, listening in. You can visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. When you go there, that's a substack. That's where I write longer form. I'm about to post something over there, uh, and uh, we will get that um up for you to check out and also go to phyllislapley.com and sign up for the daily email there the daily wink 8 a.m east coast 5 a.m pacific time you'll get an email a few links a few key points and then one what you need to know what you need to know the wink the daily wink you'll get that monday through friday so all right uh today let me take up today's wink uh on this segment on this segment and that is this the question is the question is um Who's going to be our vice presidential candidate if Donald Trump is the nominee? Now, Donald Trump is the uh, going to be the nominee. And so uh, who will be the VP uh, with Donald Trump? Trump who? And I would like to say, I, I, I can't believe it. I got a, an email from my friend, Paul Ingracia. Paul Ingracia has been on the program uh, a couple of weeks ago. Now he talked about uh, due process and the question. He's a lawyer, a Cornell law school grad. And uh, we covered a lot of ground together and a very good guy and a very good writer. And he writes prolifically and he writes on a Substack, his own Substack. And so he had a, a post today on VP candidates and he went through like Lee Zeldin, Elise Stefanik, Tucker Carlson. That's his favorite. And he did include the man who I believe is the most likely to be VP. Who is Trump's best VP? In my opinion, there's one man and it's Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Ben Carson is the best guy to be a VP for Donald Trump. I I can't even pick. Nobody else comes close. Everybody else comes with baggage. I'm not going to take them apart, but everybody else comes with baggage. So what is it? I mean, it's extraordinary how much the stars align to make it so that Donald Trump will be well, not only well served, he actually needs uh, Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson to be on the ticket with him. Why? Because he provides so many things in this moment in history, so many aspects of his personality in life that are indispensable for assuring the American voters that this is a, a, a ticket that's trustworthy, that's a, a ticket that's grounded, that ticket that's adult. And I don't mean that in any way. I, I think Donald Trump is an extraordinary leader and he's extra, been an extraordinary president. What I mean is the perception. The media does it to him. 
The media has been talking all the time about chaos. Oh, Donald Trump brings chaos, blah, blah, blah. By the way, it's Joe Biden that appears to me to bring chaos. We have a chaos at the border. We have chaos in our, uh, our, our cities. We have chaos in uh, our universities. We have a lot of chaos in the economy. Overseas, there's chaos. That's all Joe Biden. But Ben Carson as VP, what does he bring? First, you cannot be considered as a vice presidential candidate if you haven't run at the highest level for office. You can run for Senate, U.S. Senate. You can run probably for governor. Mike Pence was a congressman and then governor. You can run for House, the House maybe. As long as you have the the really bright Klieg lights on you in a way that is is you know kind of um, un, un, unstinting. It's it's not just, oh, I was a public figure. People knew who I was, even if you were controversial. If you run for office, you have to do the filings. You, you know, you have to do the financial disclosures. Your family has to be exposed to what's going on. Now, you could say, well, Hunter Biden's family wasn't exposed. Well, the left has a different standard. But on the right, for Republicans, you have to have run in a serious race. Ben Carson asked twice. He ran for president twice. And the first time he ran knee deep into the into the primary, he was succeeding before he lost to Trump. He he had to do all of the things that that, that take you go. The people are going through your sock drawer and your bank accounts. That's what happens. And he did it and he succeeded. And there was never a whiff, not a whiff of controversy uh, of any meaningful men, any with him. Uh, and so that's a number one. Number two, he served in government now at the highest levels. He was the head of HUD for four years. And the only scandal I can think of was at one point they complained about his choice of furniture. And even that went away. He was dutiful. He was serious. The, the, the place worked. Lots of people, lots of bureaucracies. He's got that experience. OK, so that's another. Here's third is just on, on demeanor. He's a peaceful guy. He's a guy that when you hear him speak, he's a well-adjusted man. He has a family around him his wife and his kids. And he's he's a, he's a kind of serious kind of American person, a man. And he put it, that exudes from him. It's it's clear when he talks. He's very, very, he's very presentable. He's he's got a fun smile. He's got a kind of wry smile uh, when you see him smile. I think he's got his eyes are, you know, he, he'll see him smile. And I've, I've only I've only met him once uh, formally. He came to a Phyllis Schlafly Eagles event um, and he and his wife, Candy, again, she's an extraordinarily good lady and a smart lady and talented and just a, they're just a good family. And he sat at the table with my wife, who's a doctor, and um, and he talked to her the whole time. They talked the whole time about all kinds of things, medical stuff, and and uh, it's just he's just a very very likable good man. Now here's one that's a little bit of a, a trick. He doesn't need to be VP or even president. He didn't need it. He's like Trump. He uh, ben, Dr. Ben Carson has been one of the most accomplished professionals professionals in American medical history. What he did as a surgeon is beyond belief. It's ground. It's groundbreaking and earth shattering. It's life saving all the time. He doesn't need to be president. He's accomplished. He actually more than Trump, uh, even more than anyone. He came from nothing, meaning he came from humble beginnings. It's a better way to say it. He came from a very strong and, and uh, impressive mother, uh, but he came from, you know, uh, Detroit and didn't have uh, much financial means. And he, 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 he came from all of that. In fact, he's a member of the Horatio Alger Society, which is a society of people who came from nothing, came from, you know, came from humble beginnings. I keep saying came from nothing. That's not fair. But he came from uh, humble beginnings and succeeded to the highest level. And so what you have with 
Ben Carson is somebody who doesn't need to be president or need to be VP. He doesn't need you to give him an award. He's, he's accomplished deeply. Now, one aspect of that, by the way, is he doesn't look like he looks like he could be president tomorrow. If, if something happened to Donald Trump, uh, Ben Carson could be president tomorrow. He doesn't necessarily look like a guy that's going to run for president. He's at an age where he may or may not. I guess he could consider it, but it's not an heir apparent. If Donald Trump picks a VP that's clearly a younger guy, if he picked picked DeSantis or he picked uh, Ted, Ted Cruz or Rand Paul, th- that person would be have to be the favorite to run for president. And that would be a catch-22, both because Trump didn't, doesn't want to have to answer that question about his VP, and also, it's inevitably a hard job. And frankly, you're probably going to get some uh, some egg on your face as the media tries to beat up on uh, President Trump. And so the VP you know, has something to lose. If you're Rand Paul, you might say, you know, I'm going to run for president, but I'm going to do it from my perch as a senator, not from VP. Anyway, he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. Now, here's a couple of aspects of uh, Dr. Ben Carson as a vice presidential candidate that are actually very important politically. One, he's a man of faith and conservatism. No, nobody has to doubt him. There's no, nobody brings up, well, you know, I, I like the, I like Vivek Ramaswamy, but he's kind of convert to uh, being a Republican. He's kind of new to it. You don't really know. Um, Elise Stefanik, she's a Congresswoman, but she was pretty, pretty liberal on a bunch of issues. Now she's more conservative. Ben Carson, he's a man of faith. He's very pro-life. You don't have to, no conservatives doubt it. So you don't, you're not creating any doubt. Second on this politically, he is the perfect, the perfect foil for Kamala Harris. He is a totally accomplished merit-based African-American. He, he did it by earning it at every level. You don't get to, you don't get to be a, a, a brain surgeon at the level of Ben Carson, because they say, let's take the black guy. It doesn't happen. Okay. That he, his life is the contrast to Kamala Harris, who was promoted all along because she fit into the DEI of the time. That's just true. Nobody thinks she's there because of her talent. And I'm not judging her, by the way, there's lots of people that get someplace without uh, having great talent, but the contrast is unbelievable. And now the last thing, he would be very attractive to a constituency that will be looking up and saying, man, we are sick of the way we're seeing this country go. We're sick of being yelled at by liberal white women and liberal black women about how we're sick of hearing Joy Reid yell at me and Rachel Maddow yell at me. We're sick of it. And that's African-American men who don't want to be coddled like the left tries to say we should do for different people. They, they just want the opportunities. They just want the future. Ben Carson is a signal about how the future can be. Dr. Ben Carson is both the safest and the most advantageous vice presidential pick that Donald Trump could ever have. I, I, I see no I see no way that it's not him. Everybody else brings you complications. And remember, nobody really votes for a ticket because of the VP. They don't. But it sends a message of who's around you, who you trust, how you pick. And I think uh, Trump will really and they get along really, really like uh, that. The advantages. That's all I've got. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, I've been looking forward to this interview for a while. Uh, Lee Habib is a a creative guy. He hosts Our American Stories, which is uh, a podcast. It's extraordinary. The uh, the topics they cover. Um, you know, I, I did a, a segment, uh, Lee, for my listeners a, a few weeks ago where I talked about fake history, how so often we're told what history is and nobody sort of looks twice at what really went on. And Our American Stories is a podcast which I'll put up uh, over on uh, on our social media as I blast this out is a podcast that looks at these great stories. Uh, the, one of the ones I think it's today uh, on prohibition and just really fascinating. And Lee Habib, of course, has a great and long uh, career in um, in radio as well as in communication. Generally, um, worked over at Salem uh, where the show this show originates, and also was I didn't realize this was the co-founder of uh, Laura Ingram's national radio show, which she has a TV show now. Everybody sees it, but for a long time she was really dominant as a voice on radio so welcome lee habib how are you sir hey thanks for having me on it uh so fake history am i overdoing it when i say after all we've been learning for a few years about fake news and about being misled that you almost you almost have to distrust history well you know i I, i'm i'm a little more circumspect about that i think that you know for the longest time You know, my dad was a history teacher. I grew up in a history teaching family. And as my dad would tell anybody who'd care to listen, for the longest time, America whitewashed a lot of its evils, right? We did bad things. We weren't a perfect country, right? And so up until the 1960s, 50s, textbooks sort of washed over a lot of stuff that didn't make America look good. Right. And, 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 and then the, the, the backlash was that the, the progressives got in charge and they highlighted most of the ills without any of the good. George Washington owned slaves. Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. He did it, by the way, it broke Jefferson's heart. I mean, when you read Jefferson's uh, uh, words towards the close of his life, he said that judge, God would judge him poorly for having owned slaves. Right. The world mostly owned slaves at that time. And the abolition of slavery is a unique thing. Um, Jefferson prohibited slavery in the Northwest Territories. This is remarkable, right? Right, right. The man who owned slaves prohibited the extension of slavery in in the areas that he could control. Mm -hmm. So that's called irony. That's called paradox. That's called nuance. (laughs) That's called complicated. So I think what's interesting is there's no such thing as conservative history or liberal history or Marxist history. There's just history. And when you read a great David McCullough book, you're not getting a left-wing view of George Washington or a right-wing view. You're getting a view and the view of George Washington. That's what our show is all about. It's not a conservative uh, or liberal or progressive. If we were going to talk about some of the good that the union movement did, and it did, we're going to talk about that. The excesses of the unions that caused the fall of Detroit, we talk about that too. Um, You can hold these two thoughts simultaneously. Yeah, it is. um, I, 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 that's right. Um, and I think that's the the importance, though, of looking back at things with a an eye towards saying, hey, um, what else was there? You know, it's not it, it was it's not um, I don't think it's I think it's it, it, it's liberating to realize that that the, the men and women of history were men and women. And so it's not entirely, you know, uh, when you, someone says, oh, um, you know, MLK had uh, uh, affairs. I mean, MLK Jr. did. But I don't I don't particularly I'm not particularly uh, moved by that, except 
when you realize that the government was watching him. I mean, and and to me, there's a there's a part of this where some of the history. I mean, when you watch Lee, um, the I guess is Lee Habib again, uh, and, and he's the host and, and founder of our American Stories. When you watch some of what's goes on and realize that we meaning America are making history, you know, whether you want to go towards color revolutions or, you know, even just wars, we're, we're the ones making history and we have uh, an investment in telling the story, as you point out in the way that's to our best advantage. Well, and that's true. And, and to not know your own story and where you came from is tragic in your own family or anywhere else. And no family has a perfect story. No marriage is perfect. How silly. But how we overcome, how we rise above, how we endure, how how resilient we are, how imaginative we are. The stories of the men who created and built this country and women are astounding. The faith walk of Americans. You, You can't tell the story of even Martin Luther King without his faith walk. He was a doctor, but his doctorate was in theology. He didn't have a stethoscope. He didn't take anybody's appendix out. Reverend Martin Luther King and his Christian impulses in the early 1960s had this uh, had this Christian undertow that was in direct rebuttal to Malcolm X's uh, Elijah Muhammad undertow of radical Islamic ideology that basically said the white man is a devil. While there is Martin Luther King saying, one day I want to hope that America is a place where we can judge someone by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. And then watching him march beautifully in civil disobedience, going into jail, writing letters from a Birmingham jail and always quoting scripture in almost Mm -hmm. all of his speeches. Heck, he was a pastor until he died. His father was a pastor. And in the end, his conception of justice came not from man's version of justice, but God's and how to comport himself. So we tell the story of Reverend King, not just Dr. King. And yes, he had affairs. And that right. means that, uh, that the king was guilty of being a human being. Right. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Lee Habib is our guest. And again, uh, let me mention uh, the website for Our American Stories is OurAmericanStories.com. You check it out. There's some great, um, great information there. All, in addition to the podcast, lots of uh, links. Um, Lee, one last line of question. I got refer- uh, sent some of your stuff because uh, our mutual friend, A.J. Rice, um, sent it to me. And, and, and you you were describing two of the conservative voices at Davos, which made such a wave. And I thought it was fascinating to put them together. You know, you had this uh, Javier Malay, the president of Argentina, and then Kevin Roberts, the relatively new president of Heritage Foundation. And they both not only uh, they didn't unload. What they did was they made an argument that was forceful and serious and lots of aspects of it. You just had to shake your head in agreement with, I think. Um, but here's a different question on this. And as you comment on both those guys, but. Um, that got so much attention. It was really cool. Is that, is that because the world's changed where we're going to see what's going on in these places like that? I mean, in other words, were there people making good points 20 years ago at Davos, but we just didn't get to see it? No, I think we, we, we not only didn't get to see it, it wasn't happening because Davos was living in its own little bubble. Right. Davos was thinking, oh, we'll get together and we'll decide and settle the world's problems. And we don't bother. We're not going to bother to go back and sell them to the people and allow them to vote. And so what's really happened over the last 20 years is these governing elites and these non-government organizations and these bureaucracies and bureaucrats, unelected, unaccountable, Perfectly decent people, many of them, thought that the the, the people who vote 
were not necessary, that these right. governing elites knew better for us what we should do and the heck with democracy, forget for the heck with sovereignty and self-rule. And so with Brexit, with the rise of Trump, with the rise of the Tea Party even, and this is not just America, this is around the world in the West, who decides and who pays? And you're going to see a return to the nation state as being sovereign and the people within that nation state, rather than the governing bureaucrats making decisions for them, the people are going to seize back power. By the way, that's the story of America. Should the parliament and the king rule us or should we govern ourselves? This is a story that's been happening around the world forever. Who decides and who pays? And for the, for the most part, the working and middle class uh, around the world uh, in the West have had no voice. Yeah. Uh, Lee Habib, again, is our guest, uh, creator and host of Our American Stories. You can go to OurAmericanStories.com. Uh, R- real quick, what's coming next? I know with a guy like you, you're looking out a few episodes of, of, of your podcast. Anything you want to tease that uh, you're, you're enjoying digging into? Our Dale Earnhardt story is a killer. It's, oh. it's not, not only how he died, because, you know, he was a, he was the, the intimidator. Yeah, right? yeah. And the day he died, he was playing the role of protector for Walter wow. and, yeah. his, and his son, right? And, and wow. then we go back in time to who he was, where he was born, who his father was, and what a heck mm. of a story that is. So that's one of my favorites coming up. And, of course, President's Day is not President's Day to us and <laughs> yeah. our American stories. It's George Washington's birthday. There you go. There you go. All right. Hey, that's uh, Lee Habib. Congratulations on all the good work. The Dale Earnhardt story is a great one. I got to tell you, where I'm from in Missouri, after he died, the number of people I had it on on my truck, the number of people had the three, uh, that little sticker on there, and you didn't have to explain it to people that knew that. That will be really, really interesting. Well, thanks for all you're doing, and we appreciate it. And keep us uh, in the loop and help uh, promote Our American Stories. Again, OurAmericanStories.com. Thanks, Lee. You bet. Thank you. All right. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. I'll put links up on social media, all that. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, You know, when I interview somebody on the program and then end up following her in this case, I I end up seeing her everywhere. And it often happens. And I forget now, our next guest is Cheryl Chumley, who, of course, is an author herself and also a commentator, writes over at Washington Times uh, and an online editor there. But I forget, uh, Cheryl, that you I saw you somewhere. You were on a panel. Was it maybe at Georgetown or somewhere recently? And there she was, Cheryl Chumley, and, and, and people were listening. So welcome back to the program. I'm glad people are listening and I'm glad we get a chance to listen to you today. So how are you? I'm doing great. I always love to chat with you, Ed. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Was it Georgetown or where was it? It's somewhere recent around, around the DC area. No, am I remember? You saw the promo. Yeah. You saw the promo for it. It's Georgetown. It's coming up. Um, okay. Yeah. Next okay. week. So, <laughs> okay, good. There you go. Okay, good. I'm, I knew I wasn't mad. I needed not imagine. Okay. It's coming up. All right. Uh, Cheryl caught Chumley again. Now uh, the piece that caught my eye that I wanted to ask you about was Joe Biden has a moral duty to protect America's borders. This is a commentary by Cheryl Chumley over at the Washington times. The, the, the loaded part of this, which I knew you would do because a lot of the things you, you like to talk about on your podcast, write about are, 
you know, informed by your faith and, and, uh, but there's a moral duty. Uh, Tell me about that part of this equation. That's a lot of people saying that you have a national interest duty, you have a moral duty. Tell me about how you came to write about that and what it means to you. Yeah, I I think you and I are one and the same on this point, right? Like when you're talking about law and order and upholding American exceptionalism, which at at root is the idea of individual rights and liberties coming from God, right? So there's a spiritual component to our government here. And when when you have the president of the United States willfully disobeying the Constitution and opening doors for the furtherance of disobedience and lawbreakers to enter the United States, that's a moral lapse. And this is what we have going on in the White House with the um, ongoing and never-ending open borders. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And I, I think but I think it's also important that people are talking like that, you know, in other words, saying, hey, um, you know what exactly uh, this isn't just a national security question when it comes to. And, and one of the things about politicians lying, I, I don't take it the same way, like when my kids lie, when my kids lie, I, I have a big problem because I say, well, are, are you developing the wrong habits? You know what, what's going on here? What is behind that? Politicians lying. I, I just don't get as exercise. Maybe I should. Uh, but. When they're not enforcing the law and the message is over and over that, um, you know, who's connected gets the benefit, who's connected decides as opposed to there's laws, there's rules and we have to. That's that's a problem. And I, more and more, as you point out, I, I forget now who I was again I'm, on my mind. I was listening to a book on tape and it was a young author, a woman. And she was talking about how other countries have great uh, sort of bill of rights on free speech. They South uh, North Korea has one. Uh, Russia has one. They just don't allow them to be enforced. Uh, our system relies on the the moral uh, weight of we the people leaning into the Constitution and the rule of law. Yes, and it it also relies on concepts like all men, including women, right? All men and women are created equal, right? And so Mm -hmm. when you create this system of governance in America where there are different laws and different prosecutions and and different law and orders for one class of society versus another, then what you're doing is you're just opening the doors for a corrupt form of government, which is what we have going on now. We have these pinheads on Capitol Hill, including in the White House, telling the rest of America that we need to open borders and let these uh, poor victims from other countries in and do the compassionate thing by using tax dollars to provide for them. But at the same time, these same people pointing fingers at all of us and demanding compassionate open borders are very uh, secure in their own bubble society. They live Mm -hmm. behind gated doors and they have armed uh, protection. So they don't have to deal with the repercussions of their actions. Uh, Cheryl Trumley again is our guest, and she. Uh, one of the reasons I saw the the flyer for the upcoming event with you is uh, Bold and Blunt is her podcast, Bold and Blunt. And if you go to WashingtonTimes.com, you can see it there. Uh, the the recent uh, podcast. Um, the title, uh, I haven't listened to it. I'll be honest with you. I haven't had time. It's just a few days ago. DEI brainwashing is worse than you think. Uh, Cheryl Trumley is our guest. Cheryl. Um, you're a professional communicator. You've written, you've written book after book, a column after column. Uh, the podcast is in, you know, uh, hundreds of episodes. You communicate all the time. Uh, you use the word brainwash. That's a powerful word. And it, it feels right for the moment. Um, I, I asked someone earlier on the program when it comes to, say, January 6th or the Russia hoax. 
the brainwashing uh, by everybody was so good. I'm not sure you'll ever unring a bell for 40 percent of the country. They'll just think that the Russians colluded with Donald Trump to steal the 2016 election. They'll just think that January 6th was an armed insurrection organized by Trump. And I guess my question is, um, the brainwashing's getting really good. And and most of the time it's the it's we're not brainwashing you and I by reading scripture uh, in the presence of our our friends enough, which is one way you do that. I mean, I, I'm being sincere, you know, that you 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 recite and you uh, uh, revel in the words and especially the word of God. And so they're 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 really good at this. They're kind of winning at the brainwashing battle and encourage me that it's not going their way and going their way for good. They are. And let me just quickly sidestep and say that I've been meaning to ask you back on my Bold and Blunt podcast to talk oh. about January 6th. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you understand uh, intimately what's taking place there. And I, I, I need to explore that at depth with you. But in terms of the general brainwashing of the nation especially of our younger um, younger generations, right? Because the public school systems are nothing but propaganda tools for the far left. Yes, the brainwashing is getting worse or better, depending on how you're looking at it, right? If you're a communist and a Marxist, you're loving life in America right now because brainwashing as, is at an all-time high. And you make a very good point, Ed, when you say that the Bible is needed here, because if you're not reading your Bible, you're not uh, you're not strengthening the gift of the spirit called discernment, which mm. is what you really need in mm. these dark times, right? Where lies yeah. are just flying everywhere like poison darts. And if you look at what's taking place through the media, through the far left, the Democrat Party, we're all being told that, for instance, the the, the COVID shots are healthy for us. They're great for us. Or January 6th uh, protesters are insurrectionists and they deserve to be in jail. And I think as the years go by and you have more voices like yours, Ed, and even mine, I'm going to put I'm going to put myself in there. <laughs> well, please do. Pointing out the truths that the history is going to show that this is the era of lies being just woven into America culture and brainwashing the next generation of leaders how much to hate America and blame America for all that ails the world. Uh, Cheryl Trumley is our guest again. Uh, she's an online opinion editor over at the Washington Times who writes commentaries there. Host of the podcast, Bold and uh, Blunt, Bold and Blunt. I almost said Bold and Beautiful, which would have been nice because <laughs> you are a beautiful, but it would have been a, a soap opera reference, which I date myself. Uh, she's, of course, the author of a number of books, including the uh, Lockdown, uh, so the Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom, which looks even more prescient than it did at the time. Um, Cheryl, uh, the election system, you know, in the last couple of days, Naomi Wolf. Naomi Wolf, okay, she's a feminist, like, she, and she's undergone a, radical, a fairly radical transformation, but but she's still, I think, identified as a person of the left. And Phil Klein put out a, a, a set of um, um, model uh, legislation for the elections, and you, you think to yourself, what? Three years ago, three years on, if elections were a mess in 2020, and they were a mess, no matter whether you think they were stolen or not, it was a mess. And why, why haven't we done something? And we're now, you know, less than a year away. Uh, do you think? That in the it's a little bit broader question, but do you think in the current environment where big tech and big media and big government are so good at their brainwashing that we can actually have a, a relatively free and fair election, something that works well? 
That's the question, right? I, yeah. I think that's what everybody's waiting to see this time around because the stakes are so high. You have uh, another four years of a Joe Biden that would open the door to the to the to the total collapse of America with the oncoming globalism, or the Make America Great Again, America First candidate Donald Trump, and so. The war is is coming. And look, I know a lot of states took it on themselves to tighten up election laws and to uh, clear the voter rolls of dead people. So dead people aren't voting. But the Democrats are very clever and they're very unabashed in in pushing their deceptions. Right. right. They're very clever at skirting the system and just, you know, the, whatever they whatever they do, it justifies their end. So right. I I am concerned about how the elections are going to be run. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to leave it there. Cheryl Chumley, unfortunately, we're out of time. It always goes fast. Cheryl Chumley, of course, over to Washington Times. If you go to WashingtonTimes.com, uh, you can find a lot of her stuff, all different ways, her, her uh, podcast, uh, her writings. Again, WashingtonTimes.com. Thank you, Cheryl. We'll talk again very soon. And I'll always come on your bold and blunt podcast anytime. We got to take a break, though. Ed Martin, Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. The proposed Equal Rights Amendment, known as ERA, was vigorously debated across America from 1972 to 82 and defeated after 20 states rejected it. The Supreme Court declared it died on June 30, 1982. Now some feminists are trying to revive this dead carcass and pretend that if three states ratify it, it can be considered part of the U.S. Constitution. In addition to the fact that the feminists are using dishonest means to try to promote what they claim is equal rights, let's review a few of the reasons why the American people rejected ERA. ERA would lock into the Constitution policies that the American people do not want. First, ERA would require taxpayer funding of abortions. Second, ERA would allow the courts to legalize same-sex marriages. Third, ERA would deprive wives and widows of their benefits in Social Security. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg explained this effect of ERA in her book called Sex Bias in the U.S. Code. Ginsburg wrote that the equality principle of ERA requires us to get rid of archaic notions such as the dependency of a homemaker on her husband's financial support. So beware, a vote for ERA would be a vote to take away Social Security checks received by most American mothers and grandmothers. Fourth, ERA would require women to be equally assigned to all combat positions in the military, positions from which women are now exempted, such as ground infantry and submarines. If we are going to have any nasty wars against the bad guys, we do not want social experimentation or judicial activism to interfere with military readiness. The United States said no to the Equal Rights Amendment 27 years ago. Let ERA rest in peace. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Despite the outrageous pro-abortion stance of many liberals, the vast majority of American people value human life. More than ever, pro-life voices need to stay vigilant and be heard. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're not backing down. Please, join us in the battle for life at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, um, in the uh, category of doing the right thing is worth uh, noticing and worth paying attention to. I got a text from a friend of mine, good friend of mine, good buddy of mine from my college days. His name is Mark, Mark Riley, and uh great guy, super guy, a little bit liberal, but really good guy. And uh he and I uh spent some time when we were in college. We went on a trip down to uh Cuernavaca in Mexico and spent like two weeks down there on a awareness. Uh one of these things we I, I think he may be better, he may be th- at the time better at Spanish, probably is now too. I'm not that good at Spanish. But it was a lot about awareness about what was going on there. It was an amazing trip, really, for, I don't know, 17, 18, 19, maybe we were 19. 20 year olds who had never, I'd never been abroad anywhere. And, uh, in fact, we met incredible people, uh, learned a lot about what it's like to live in, uh, in poverty in places like Mexico. Anyway, great guy, Mark. And we don't agree on a lot of things all the time. And he texted me and said, Hey, uh, doesn't this show that the system works? And he linked to an article and that I had seen the story of, but hadn't seen the details. And that is about this, this uh, guy that went to work for the IRS as a consultant. And he leaked Donald Trump's tax returns uh, and lots of other people's, by the way. I think it was thousands of other people, uh, but he got caught. And uh, so what my friend Mark sent me was this uh, article that the guy actually, the tax return leaker, this consultant to the IRS who leaked the Trump tax returns, he got five years in prison. And the judge, Judge Reyes, said, you know, it can't be like this. It can't be open season on elected officials. And actually, the thing that was uh, pretty cool about this is he got the maximum uh, sentence that he was allowed to get because the judge said it was terrible. Um, I think his own attorneys asked for a lot less, obviously. And even the prosecutors, maybe they uh, uh, they don't know. The prosecutors did ask for they asked for the max. So I suppose he could have been charged with a lot of other things. But five years in federal prison uh, for um, what is effectively a white collar crime, you know, and I don't think this guy had any um he didn't have the, the guy that uh, got this jail term uh, did not have any uh, priors, I don't think. And so that's a pretty good sentence. And so to my friend, Mark, uh, Mark, you're exactly right. They should be praised. This judge should be praised. The DOJ should be praised. I mean, I, I have become someone who is very critical of all of it, all of the sentencing that happens in the federal system. I, I subscribe to distrust, then verify. I just don't trust the prosecutors. And that would be true for you know, uh, 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 drug crimes. It'll be true for uh, all kinds of violent crimes. And I, you know, I've got friends in the ACLU world that probably uh, chuckle if they hear me say this, because 20 years ago, they would have been telling me, you know, these too many of the federal prosecutors are really bullies and they dominate and the, and it's not fair. And I probably would have been like, well, you got to put them away. You know, you got to do the right thing. Now I'm much more, uh, I'm much more cynical. I'm much more uh, inclined to distrust than verify on all these different, uh, especially the federal prosecutors, because they have such an, an advantage. They have such an advantage as as I forget now who was the 
uh, defendant who was going, he said, you, you are going up against the best law firm in the world. That's the Department of Justice, especially when it's main justice in Washington. But in general, because they have the, mo- the best lawyers, they have the best um, backup, they have the, the most um, uh, resources. You know, you, they don't have to make decisions based on um, an upcoming election like a local prosecutor sometimes does. And so this is a pretty good example to my friend uh, Mark's point of the uh, the the lawyer getting um, uh, excuse me, the, the the defendant getting the maximum sentence and for the right reason. You know, I, I actually probably would have said as to a white collar crime, you know, with no priors, maybe this guy deserves leniency. But the judge's points point was you clearly did this um, and and sought to do it as a consultant and, and leaked not just Trump, but uh, thousands of others as a way to make people a target, to make it so people sh- will not want to serve in public life and will not want to be out in the thing. It's this is exactly the opposite of the lawfare. The judge is saying you're not allowed to use lawfare. You're not allowed to use a legally required filing, the IRS filings, and then go leak it in such a way against the law and against public policy and, and damage people that otherwise you're not going to have people that want to serve in public life. You're not going to want to have people that are willing to go out there. And, uh, and so good for judge Reyes, uh, for doing this. Um, she is, uh, um, a, uh, Biden nominee. So that's another part of this. And she called it an attack on our democracy. And, um, and you shouldn't be able to target the sitting president. You shouldn't be able to target other people. Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty great, actually. I think it's um, I think it's fantastic. And uh, I think it's really good that it, the coverage is uh, I, after Mark sent it to me. I went look and it's covered everywhere. People are covering it and people should be praising it. People should be people should be saying this is exactly what should happen. This is the thing that you have to do to to people. Hold them accountable when they do these things. If he had gotten away with it and sort of gotten nothing or, you know, gotten a a fine or or went on his way. And, you know, you could think back, by the way, that remember the lawyer that worked for the FBI that I think it was uh, convicted or pled guilty to changing the FISA applications or fraud, uh, fraud, uh, fraud uh, committing fraud on that, falsifying those documents. He got nothing, I think. And it maybe got his bar license suspended for a half a minute. And that, that felt like he wasn't held accountable to something that was a big deal. But in this case, the system worked. As my friend Mark said, the uh, doesn't this show the system works? And yes, it does. It shows the system works and it's worth praising. And so thank you to this Biden appointed judge for doing the right thing in this case. And uh, unless I'm missing something like there could have been massive numbers of other charges, it seems like five years is plenty of a message uh, not to do this, to both to this guy and to anybody else thinking about it. So there you have it. Good stuff. All right, I got to run. Thank you, as always, to our producer, Ryan Height, associate producer, Mason Mohan. Thank you to Mark Riley, uh, my old buddy, for helping produce this show by sending me that article. And we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.